We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Man, I'm glad to see all of you. Uh, Hope you're having a good summer. You having a busy summer? Anybody having a busy summer? If you are, say amen. Anybody that's having a busy summer and you're wore out from summer, say amen. Then you're going to like today. You're going to like this today. Get your Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. We're going to talk about how at some point your work is going to be rewarded. There was a sign in the window that read, no help wanted. Two guys were walking along. They looked over and saw the sign. One nudged the other one and said, you ought to apply for that job. You'd be great. Have you ever had a job where you felt like you were unappreciated? Have you? you ever, have you ever had a job where you just felt like nobody noticed or nobody cared? How about, how about in ministry? It's okay to be honest about this. For those of you that, thinks that, that, that might think it's sacrilegious to ever say you're tired from doing spiritual things, it's okay to acknowledge that fact right now. How many of you would say, wow, in serving for the kingdom of the Lord and doing the work that I've done, there have been times where I just got tired. Anybody? All right, all five of you, I'm going to tell you something. The rest of y'all just keep resting. I know better. I know you're here. Our verse today is specifically about working for the kingdom of God. And it's a task that all of us are called to. I, um, I remember a job like that. I tell the story. Um, if you've heard this story before, whenever we get to the end of it, just go ahead, you know, just nod like, go back to sleep if you've heard it before. And we'll wake you up when I get done. But, you know, when you've been here as long as I have and you get to be as old as I am, you forget what what you told when. So, you know, I might have told this last week. I don't know. I don't think so. But I do remember a job like this. When I was 16 or 17, so that's been at least 20 years ago, right? Um, I'll tell you when to amen, Kevin. Um, 16, 17, a buddy of mine came to me and he said, hey, there's this guy that's putting in this new hardware store, this new auto parts store here in town, and he has a bunch of of, uh, parts, shelving parts in a trailer. He said he's going to give us $25 if we just come and unload that trailer, and it's only going to take a couple hours. Well, when I was 16, 17, this is back in 1980, 81, $25 would fill the tank and put some money in my pocket too. You know what I'm saying? So I was thinking for a couple of hours, 25 bucks, yeah, I'm in. And all we're doing is just taking some shelving out of a trailer and we don't even have to put it. I said, are we assembling it? No. He said, we're just unloading it and putting it in the building there. I'm like, cool, I'll be there. So I showed up the next day and it was a shell, it was a trailer full of shelving. But what they didn't tell us was that it was a horse trailer full of shelving that they didn't clean out first. So it was shelving stacked in manure up to about here. 
And that couple of hours took two days. And that $25 was to split. Yeah, now you're getting the picture, aren't you? For $12.50, I waited through manure for two afternoons. And the guy handed us the money. Thanks, boys. If I need you, I'll call you. I'm like, we'll call you. (laughs) We're done with this. You ever had those kind of jobs? Where you felt like if you got paid at all, it was in manure? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And it's sad to say that sometimes you feel like that that's the reward you get for working for the kingdom of God. Sometimes you feel like, man, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm doing all this. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody even notices. They wouldn't even care if I didn't do it. And then you say, no, they would care because, you know, nobody else would do it. So they would care. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that spot where you're just like, man, I'm, you know, I do this and I do this. Nobody even thanks me. Nobody says anything. I don't get any kind of proper accolade and I just get tired and I keep going and, um, man, I'm just ready for a break. Now, I'm not talking about at work. I'm talking about that all happens. We talked about that two weeks ago when we talked about taking a break. And by the way, this is kind of a, another part of, of, if you wanted to call it a series of, of, of messages that kind of tie together. But working for the kingdom of God, sometimes you just get tired. And if that's the case, this, this is your verse. Verse 58, modern King James Version, reads like this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So that, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not without fruit in the Lord. Now, for the next few minutes, I'm going to break this down. Just one verse. Some of you are like, you know, with anybody else, if they were just preaching one verse, we'd know we're going to get done in about 12 minutes. But this guy... He's getting ready to break this down. Get out your pen, your paper, your iPad, your phone. However it is you're going to take notes and get ready. Because what I want to do is I want to, I want to walk you through this verse words at a time. And then we're, we're, not, we're not going to add to or take away because we, we believe in the, in the curse of revelation. We're not going to add to or take away. But what we're going to do is we're going to rewrite this verse according to the translation of how these words translate. We're going to put this back together in a way. And you're going to see this verse probably maybe in a way that you've never seen it before. Are you ready? Here's how it goes. So that my beloved brothers, beloved brothers is this. Fellow believers who we dearly love. It's Paul is referring to, to them and it applies to us. Any of us who are in God's family of believers, this is Paul saying to them and us, all of you brothers and sisters, all my family who I love, hear this. Be, that's the next word. Beloved brothers, be. You know what be means? It means be. But it, but it has an implication that goes along with it that says that we are to continually be committed to three things. So be is, is a transition, but it's saying to us, all of you beloved brothers who I love, I want you to continually Be committed to being these three things. Number one, steadfast. Steadfast means 
doing what you're doing right now. What are you doing right now? You are seated. Everybody in the room but me is seated. Hopefully you're settled. Now I'm going to tell you something. Y'all remember when the church, some of you remember when the church burned all those years ago and we moved into the gym on those metal folding chairs? Do you remember, anybody remember sitting on those chairs? Wave your hand. Remember sitting on those chairs? They were not comfortable. Somebody say amen. I'm glad that we got these over those. I like these. And anytime I'm not doing what I'm doing, I sit in them and you know what I do? I stretch out and I settle in. I like the way they feel. I, some of y'all like them so well, you do the best sleep into the whole week right here on Sunday. So I love those seats up there at the church. I like them better than pews. Because pews, you know, people look funny at you if you lay down on them and try to sleep. But these, I mean, you can sit up and kind of recline and kick back. I want you to see the picture of what it says about being steadfast. This is a, this is a personal request or a command. He says, I want you, to, now he's, th- he's talking individually. I want you individually to be seated. I want you to be settled. Be committed to not being antsy or fidgety. Somebody say amen. Be committed. He said, but brothers who I love, I want you to continually be committed to being settled. I want you to settle in personally to what you know, what you, what you believe. I want you to settle in. I want you to get secure. I want you not to be antsy. I don't want you to be fidgety about that. I want you to settle in to that seat in the spirit. Secondly, I want you to be immovable. And now we're talking about someone else. He's saying here, I want you to be unmoved. I want you to be unshakable. I want you to be stable. I don't want you to be moved by others. Now, those of you that like your seat, this was not a, this was not a uh, invitation for you to guard it at all cost and to say to the guests when they walk in, you're in my seat. I settle in that seat every week and I am going to be unmoved. That's not what the verse is talking about. There's a lot of other good seats here that you can settle into. We're talking about spiritually in the kingdom of God. Brothers who I love, I want you to continually be committed to being settled in yourself so that you will be unmoved by others. Always abounding. Engaged. It means engaged. It means that you are exceedingly excelling, that you are diligently working, and it's an ongoing thing. You are diligently exceeding and excelling. You are constantly engaged. It doesn't let up. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I am spiritually settled. I'm not going to be moved by others. I am focused. I am working. I am going. There's no quit. All right. Let me take it so far. Let's let's build our verse. Here's what it would read like. All my fellow believers who I love. 
commit to being personally grounded, unmoved by other people's ideas or latest fads, but instead stay engaged and focused on the work that God has given you to do. Excel in it. Be diligent and excellent in carrying it out all the while, while knowing your labor. That's the next part. While knowing your labor. Labor. Right here, it is the most exhausting kind of work or effort. The most exhausting kind of work or effort. This suggests something. This suggests that working for Jesus can be very exhausting. Mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, every way. Working for Jesus the way we're supposed to work for him can be very exhausting. It's not sacrilegious for you to admit, admit that. You're not sinning by, by saying, man, I've been working for the Lord and I'm just tired. It's a scriptural thing. It's going to happen. It's said right here. Doesn't say to quit, does it? Remember two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we talked about how to take a break. They tie in together. Every time you get tired, you take a break. And we won't go back into that again. But the way that you do that, the way that you take a break, you don't quit. You don't get to quit, but you take a break by, by resting in Jesus. And so there's this, 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 this picture here of, of him saying, I love you all, but, but you got, we got to work. We got to get this done. Settle into that. Don't let nobody shake you out of that. Always abound in that. It is going to be hard labor. It is going to be work. You are going to get exhausted. It's tiring and it's okay. It's what we do is we sow our our time and our effort and our money and every other resource that we have. We sow it into ministry sometimes, don't we, to carry this out. And we get tired. You know, just here at our church this summer. It's been a busy, busy summer around here. Did you know that? Have you, have you, have you kept up with what all's going on? I mean, we had a, early on, the youth went to camp. And then the, next week, their kid, not this, but the next week, the children are going to camp. And then early on, we had a VBS. This week, we have another VBS over at the REACH Center. Uh, we've had uh, outreaches. We've had all kinds of ministries going on. We had 95 ministries that require 250 volunteers a week to carry those out. Through the summer... It's been busy. It's been exhausting. And all the while, people, as you look around, you can tell, are trying to squeeze in a vacation week here and there. And it's okay. Vacations are good. Everybody that thinks vacation is good, say amen. Now, they remember what we said about a couple weeks ago? They won't rest you. Spiritually, they don't rest you, but they're good. Still fun. It's still good. I'm, I'm going to wait till everything slows down. I'm going to take a vacation. It's going to be a little while, but I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to take one of those like Brian talked about. He said, we work for 30 years and take a month break. <laughs> I'm not going to take a month, though. Sounds good, doesn't it? How many of you would like that? Do you think we should take month vacations? I see hands. People are fixing it. I, Hanky's even coming out. I mean, we hit on something Pentecostal. Yeah, I feel that, brother. Let's work about six months and take six off. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? So here we are, trying to work, working harder now than when school's in session. You know who, who, who summer break is a vacation for? Children. Not the parents. You know what I'm saying? 
My poor kids, they're grown now. When they were little, we brought them to the church with us all the time. In the old sanctuary, we'd have movies going. The kids be in the sanctuary, sitting in there watching on the big screen, watching movies all day. And then I'd be, Deb and I would diligently be looking for VBSs. And any kind of camps and programs that we could put them in. Because they were bored to tears. We were trying to find. All I had to know if they could go to VBS. Are, are they? I just need to know if, they, if they're preaching Jesus. I don't even care what denomination they are. I, I'll fix that later. I just got to find a place for them this week. They don't pray in tongues. They don't, I don't care if they don't even believe in that. But let's just get them down there. I'll get them back to Sunday school next week. We'll work out. Oh, we'll work all that out. We just need some babysitting. Somebody say amen. Every kind of camp and VBS and everything you can find. It doesn't let up sometimes. And all this while, you know, you have all these extra added activities during the summertime that you don't have during school because during school they go to school and, then, you know, you put them, put them in school and at least, and you work, but at least you get, kind of get a break, you know. You have one of them in the, one of them that wakes up and they say, Mama, I don't feel good. You're like, you only got 102 temperature. You can go to school. You can go. Just don't get close to the teacher so she can't feel your head. <laughs> right? You're fine. We'll pray for you. Go to school. Mama needs a break. Dad needs a break. Sometimes you think you're some, some, something's got to give, you know. But all the while you know that the work you do for Jesus can't go on vacation. Because he said, in your going, make disciples. And there was no exception clause. It wasn't like he said, in your going, make disciples. Except for, you know, like the... Third or fourth week of July, at that point, don't lead anybody to Christ. Take a break. They don't need to be disciples. They should be on vacation too. Don't worry about carrying out the Great Commission on these three or four. It's Christmas. People don't need to be, if they want to get saved, they need to do it before Christmas. We don't have time to be leading people to Jesus from Christmas to New Year's. We got parties. We don't have time to be discipling folks. You say, Pastor, no, we don't do that. No, we don't say that. We don't say that. <laughs> but we're like, you know what? I hope the church isn't doing anything. We certainly aren't going to be able to help. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got to take care of our priorities. They're down there trying to win souls. Well, we got, we got to get to a Christmas party. They better, they better figure this out. I know I'm preaching. You don't have to say anything. I already know. And the mission just doesn't let up. Around here right now, we're, we're gearing up for the busiest time of the year in the church world. You said, I thought that was Easter. Easter's one day. Back to school is a season. The back to school season starts about the middle of August. goes all the way through about you know, September, October, even into November. Of the time where that, that God is sending people here. They're relocating for jobs. They're coming for the university and all the different colleges that are around here. They're, they're, they're coming in here from all over the place. So moving in, they're looking. And at that time, as a church, we ha- all churches, we have to be hitting on all eight cylinders. So if you're in leadership around here, you're being even stretched further than normal. 
more than just your normal ministry and your normal family activity and all that that requires. And now here comes the church saying, oh, we're about to, you know, here we are. We're going back to school. We're about to change some schedules, changing some staff. We're changing some ministries. We're about to break all that out so everybody get on the same page. You know, some of you are like, you're going to do all that? We hadn't heard anything about it, but you're about to hear about it. It's going to happen pretty quick. And, and some of these in leadership are like, man, we got to deal, deal with all that on top of this. And then it doesn't even end there. Then on top of that is you still got a job. Kids at home, people that depend on you, that you have to take care of on top of all the things that I'm talking about. It makes you tired just to think about it. And so the tendency there is to just check out, to go on sabbatical from kingdom work. But don't. Hang on just a minute. There's more to the verse. The verse isn't over yet. Okay? Here comes the good part. We just stopped on labor there for a minute. It goes on to say, your labor, which is exhausting. We're exhausted just talking about it right now. Amen? Your labor, which is exhausting, is not without fruit. It means it is not empty or it is not in vain. It means it matters. It means the fruit that it's talking about is souls. It means that the labor that you do that is wearing you so thin, that is making you so tired, does matter, and it is producing souls. For all of you, for them, some of you would say to me, well, pastor, I'm just the guy that stands in the parking lot, smiles at people with the vest on. I, you know, I lean over and say, hey, good morning, let me show you where to park. And nobody's getting saved as a result of that. Yes, they are. Because the smile on your face, the handshake, the, the, the kindness, the first impression that you're making sets an atmosphere for them in the car. Before they even park and get out, they're looking at each other saying, Wow, this is going to be a good experience. You walk up to a door and there's somebody holding the door with a bulletin. Hey, we're so glad to see you today. That's Pastor Ross. All I do, nobody's getting saved as a result. Yes, they are. All I do is work down there at the kiosk, checking people in, checking in their kids into security. Nobody's getting saved because of me. Yes, they are. All I do is run a camera. All I do is run a, 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 a soundboard. All I do, you know, nobody's getting saved because of me. Yes, they are. You're what's making this experience what it is. You're the reason why that people are coming and they're staying. And they're the reason why they get here. They're open to receive what's coming from here in the form of the worship and the word and everything else. You're the one that's making that happen. It does matter. It does matter. Two of our, we may have some in this service too, uh, fellows that work with Royal Rangers. You know what Royal Rangers are? Royal Rangers are like, they're, it's like Boy Scouts in the church in the Assemblies of God for little kids, for little boys. And they bring them together and they tie knots and they make fires and they do all kinds of cool stuff, preferably outside. I don't know. All I know is that at a typical church on a Wednesday night, if you happen to be able to see from a bird's eye view of what's happening to Royal Rangers, kids are loving it. You got, you got a couple of boys standing over here. You know, they're trying to say a pledge. You got two boys over here. One's got one in the headlock. You got another one standing over here with a bloody nose. He's not upset. He's just trying to get a quick bleeding so he can get right back in, you know. Only one to be upset is mama. Kids are having a ball. You say, Pastor, that's what goes on at our rural ranges. I'm not going to let my kids go. Well, I'm going to tell you that's not what happens here. It's at other churches. 
I'm going to tell you that, but I don't want you to come and correct me because there was some blood on the floor in the gym the other night. Nobody complained, you know. It's not the leader's fault. You know what the leaders are doing? Man, they're running everywhere. You can't go up there. They're having service up. You can't go out in that parking lot. Hey, you boys come with me. Everybody line up right here. You know who needs the most prayer in our church of anybody that's a volunteer? Royal Ranger teachers. You should have heard this morning two of them that were here. And they were amen in me like you can't believe, boy. I said, we ought to call you guys up the front, have people gather around and lay hands on you and pray for you because nobody needs prayer like the Royal Ranger commanders. I loved Royal Rangers when I was a kid. That tells you. That right there, having heard some of my stories, that would tell you right now, Royal Rangers is a fun time and somebody was real busy. Nothing like a good Christian game between the boys of Steal the Bacon. Doesn't that sound like a good spiritual game? Steal the Bacon. You said, they let them play games like that? Oh, I'm not even going to tell you the names of some of the other games that we played when I was a kid, but we don't play them here. Sometimes you just get tired and you think, Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's keeping track. Nobody's saying anything. I'm week in, week out. I'm doing what I'm doing. And nobody, you know, nobody's noticing. And I'm going to tell you guys, you, you know, I, I'm going to tell you straight up. I, I apologize that I'm not better about that. I, I am just, you know, I'm, my personality is so focused and intent that, that all I can do when everybody else is celebrating a victory is I'm sitting off in a corner trying to figure out how to win the next battle, you know? And so I'm not real good about patting people on the back or celebrating. I've never been a good celebrator. I'm always more about let's go find another devil to whip. And so uh, sometimes, though, that uh, either the Holy Spirit or through the direction of the Holy Spirit through Deborah will tell me, you need to send out a note. You need to send a letter. You need to call so-and-so. And I appreciate when she does that or when the Holy Spirit tells me that as well. Because if you get a note from me or a letter from me or a call from me or a pat from me, it's real. It's genuine. It is not made up. It's not manipulation. uh, Because that is so adverse to my nature and character. If I do that, I mean, I really mean it because the Holy Spirit has said, you need to tell them that you love them and you appreciate them. Because for some people, that just doesn't come that naturally. I wish I were more that way, but I'm just not geared up that way. And so... I notice, we all notice when you're not here, like we have these staff meetings every Tuesday. We sit down and we say, we say, where was, where was so-and-so? And somebody will say, well, I saw on Facebook that they had a family reunion. Well, where's this one at? Well, their, their kids are sick. Well, where's this one over here? And we, we go through this long list of anybody that's not here. And you say, well, why don't we hear from you? Well, if you're here, if you miss a week or two, you're not going to hear much from us because everybody misses a week or two every once in a while. If you miss three or four weeks in a row, something like that, we're going to start saying, now, wait a minute. I hadn't seen them three or four weeks. I know that first week you said they were on vacation. That second week, somebody said they went on a trip or whatever. But I hadn't seen them three or four weeks. Then we're going to start trying to figure out that. We're trying to, we're trying to figure out where everybody went, where they're at, and how, how we can minister or help or whatever we can do. And that is if we don't know. if we have, Maybe we've received something from you, hopefully, if we've received that you were sick or something that hadn't taken us three weeks, if we know it that way. But here's what I want to encourage you with, because you say, well, wow, Pastor, you know, you need to be a lot more sensitive to that than that. And you're right. And it was easier when there were about 135 of us. It's a little different now than it used to be. 
no excuse, doesn't change anything. But here's the point I'm making. You say, well, my pastor says that I might miss two or three weeks before he notices it. How is that supposed to encourage me? I'm just being honest. Say, how, am I, how is that supposed to encourage me? The encouragement is this. Whether I ever remember or not, the word says that the one who matters is keeping record of everything you're doing and he is going to reward you on the day that the work has ended. Now that's not today. May not even be tomorrow. He said, well, pastor, when do we get, I'm ready for my reward right now. The only way you get your reward right now, don't think you want it. Think you want to wait and we'll all wait and get them at the same time. Right? Only way you, the only reward you get right now until the day of rewards is just rest. And that's not the kind of rest that you're thinking of. You don't want that right now, but one of these days, everything that's been recorded is going to be looked at. God is going to break it out. He's going to be able to see what it is that you've been doing. What did you do for so long that cost you everything and nobody even said thank you? Nobody even knew. Nobody acknowledged. Nobody recognized. You did this over and over. You worked over and over tirelessly. You kept on working. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. You just kept on doing it because it was the right thing to do. It was what you were called to do. So you just kept on doing it. And someday God's going to say, you know what? I was recording every bit of that. And I have a reward for you. Now the devil will try to discourage you. Try to tell you that nobody's noticing the contributions. But this is the word that says that that is not true. Even the smallest contribution of time or talent or treasure makes a difference. And God said that that is not in vain. It is not wasted And he's recording it. Don't listen to the enemy. You know where the enemy is supposed to be? Scripture teaches us that the enemy is supposed to be under our feet. So what I would say to you is when he tries to discourage you, just dig your heel in a little deeper in his neck. And tell him, I'm going to keep on working for Jesus. I'm tired, but I'm going to keep on working for Jesus. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay diligent. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to continue to give my whole heart and my soul to the assignment that God has given me. I know you're ready for me to start wrapping this up, so let me try. Let me tell you a story about a Catholic priest and a rabbi. Here he goes with his political correctness again. A Catholic priest and a rabbi. And the story goes something like this. They're chatting one day. They're, they're talking about their job descriptions and promotions and different things that happen in their field. So the rabbi says or asks the Catholic priest, he said, what do you have to look forward to in the way of a promotion? Like, where do you go from here? And he said, well, I could, you know, I'm, I'm actually in line to be the Monsignor. It's like, really? Well, then what? He said, well, I, I could become an archbishop. That's cool. He said, what's after that? He said, well, if I work really hard, I could become a full bishop. That's good. Well, what do you do after that? And the priest was starting to get a little bit exasperated. He's like, well, I mean, I work really hard. I might become a cardinal. And then what? Then what? Well, I'm, 
I mean, if I work double hard and play my cards right and everything falls right and politically I play my cards right and everything, I, I could eventually become the Pope. He's like, wow. What about after that? What do you mean after that? What do I have to do? Do I have to become God in order to satisfy you? And the rabbi said, well, one of our boys made it. Point being this. All the work in the world will not culminate in us becoming any more loved or appreciated in the kingdom of God. You already are loved and appreciated. Whether we say it enough or not, we mean it. And God is saying it. And that's what matters. And according to the word, this is not according to me, but according to the word, you are more than adequately resourced, equipped, and prepared to do the work God has called you into. I hear the excuse all the time. I can't do what I feel like I'm called to do because I don't have the training. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Hang on a minute. Are you going to try to tell me that the word is a lie? The word says that you do. Well, I'm waiting till I get X amount of money and then I'm going to do. No, then you're never going to do it. I'm waiting till I get. I don't feel adequately trained. Let me tell you something. I came out of Bible college. I could discuss the Levitical feasts. You know how much good that did me when we had to put the first roof on a building at the church? They say, we need a new roof on the building. I said, okay, well, that curtain was really wide in the temple. Like what? I mean, yeah, we know when, the, when Jesus died on the cross and Eli, Eli, Lamai, Sabachthani, and they split that Wait a minute. I mean, we're ta- are we talking shingles here? What, what, you know how much Levitical feast did me good when it came to building a building? You know how much contractors cared about Levitical feasts? Electricians and plumbers, you think they give a rip about? And so the first time I had to put a roof on a building, you know how much I knew about doing that? I knew a little bit about Pentecostal doctrine and history. I could discuss that with the roofers. Yeah, man, back in 1914, they're like, what? I mean, we, we got we to gotta get a roof on this thing. I wasn't, I, I wasn't adequately resourced, equipped, and trained to put a roof on a building. I could preach. I mean, I, I, I could preach a little bit. I could get the three Hebrew boys out of the fire, out of the fire at least. I mean, I wasn't getting them eaten by lions and Samson and everybody. I was at least keeping them straight. I mean, I could do that. Anything that you're going to do in the kingdom... You're just going to have to do it. When you start being obedient, you will have what you need. I don't have the resources, Pastor. I don't have the training. I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead and do the ministry. And when you know how to do it, write a book for the next guy. Give me a copy because I don't have one either. I just know that the Lord says do something and we say, okay, we don't know how. We just jump in the water. We just jump. Build a building. All right, build a building. All right. Build a up, put in a parking lot. Okay, here we go. Let's pave a parking lot. I don't know the first thing about paving. Let's do it. And in the midst of 
of doing things you learn. You pick up on a little bit about insurance and you pick up on things all the way down the road, don't you? You learn in, in doing. But so many times in ministry, we sit back and we wait. We're like, well, I don't feel like that I'm receiving enough training to be able to teach this or to do it. So we're not going to do it till I get that training. Or, or I don't feel like I have enough money. So I'm going to wait till the Lord gives me the money. And God's saying, you will have the money when you start doing the work. You know how you know what we've done with the Reach Center for a year now? We're reaching between 100 and 150 people a week at the Reach Center through the various ministries that are happening over there. Here's how much money has come in for that in a year. Can you see that zero? Zero income at the Reach Center. And it's reaching 100 to 150 people a week. That's you say that's that's impossible. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. That is the provision of God's blessing upon something that he said need to be done. And so we jumped in and said, okay, we'll do it. We jumped in and we start doing it. We have no money. And here we are a year later with the building in many ways remodeled and cleaned and, and so many things that have happened over there with a zero budget. A zero budget. But the Lord has provided. He continues to provide for that. He'll always do that. I'm, I've given you that because you need to know that individually. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For if you faint not, you will reap. You just keep going when you say, that ministry that I'm doing at the church is just costing me personally. It's costing me personally, financially, and I just can't keep doing it. You've done it this far? Yeah, but I've gonna, I'm going to have to quit. I've been paying my, my own money for the last six months. I'm going to have to quit doing this. Well, where did you get your own money? Where'd you get your own money? Where do you think your own money is going to come from next? Well, I need to come from somebody else. Why? Wouldn't you rather keep getting it from God? I, Pastor, I've been able to keep up these snacks and supplies for about five years, but I'm going to tell you, it, it's getting mighty thin. I don't think I can keep doing this. Really? You've been doing that? You the one that's been doing that? You've been providing that? I thought the Lord had been using you to provide that. Don't get tired. Don't get weary. Those he calls, he equips. That's his word, not mine. That's his word. He calls, he will equip, he will resource, he will... Do what he needs to do. Don't let weariness or discouragement or insecurity keep you from working hard. There's three promises. I'm going to give these to you and I'm going to shut up. Three promises. God gives us three promises. God promises rest as needed. Remember two weeks ago we talked about the rest that you need. God promises rest as needed. God promises resources as needed. God promises rewards at the end. Rest when you need to. Resources when you got to have them. And a reward at the end of the workday. Remember that when you're tempted to quit working for Jesus. According to this passage, you will be rewarded. All of those of you, my brothers and sisters, who I love so dearly. Be settled. Don't let anybody move you out of what God's called you to do. But always abound and stay engaged and work diligently. Because that exhausting work will not go without fruit 
and a reward. 1558, the DWR translation. Don't mean much, stick to the one you got. But that's what it's telling you. I want to pray for you today. They're going to lead us in this last song. And as, as they do, we're going to have a little time of prayer. But now I'll tell you what I want to do. If you need prayer, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you no matter what that might, whatever that might entail. For some of you, would, you would say, wow, this word was for me today. I'm really tired. I was about ready to, you know, I was about ready to tell so-and-so that's the pastor or the leader over my ministry that I need to take a break. Well, before you do that, let's pray. You might not need to take a break. You might, not, you might just need to go watch a message from a couple of weeks ago about how to take a break and go get some rest and then keep on going. I want to pray for those of you that, are, that would say, this is, word, this is a word for me today. I want to pray for those of you who have a spiritual need. Maybe you're saying, I, I have something with my soul. I, I, I want to get my heart right with God. I need to be filled with the Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with, with answers from the Word. Whatever that, I want to pray with you. Or you say, I need physical healing for my body. Or I, I, I'm really trying to make a, a difficult decision right now. And I, I, I need to be led by the Spirit. Whatever it is that you have a need of today that you need prayer for, I'm saying I want to pray with you. And I, and uh, they're, they're, some of the staff may be around. They're, they're different places. But I think if any of them are in the room, you guys can come and help me pray. But but I want to ask you to come down. And, and if you need prayer, uh, it may take a minute to get to where you are, depending on how many are here. Don't get discouraged. Just, just come up and hang around until we get a chance to come and pray with you because I want to pray with every one of you that need prayer today. I believe in the Lord for healing. I believe in the Lord for for uh, for for rest. I believe in Him for uh, healing of relationships. I believe in Him for uh, the promises of His Word, baptism in the Holy Spirit, answers to questions that you're praying about. We're just believing the Lord that He's gonna. That he's got a word of some sort for you, a prayer today. So, ladies, lead us. And y'all, if you need prayer, you come and you stand down here. Stand right down here in the front. And uh, we're going to come and lay hands on you and pray for you. All right? God bless you. I appreciate you.